Good evening, and welcome to another edition of the Jamie Sports Blog Podcast. I'm Todd, joined, as always, by my buddy Rob. What's up, Rob? Uh, evening, everyone. We're uh, getting our tech squared away here tonight, but um, hopefully everyone is doing well. Uh, after last weekend, we, we were so excited, and the men's and women's team had a perfect weekend. Uh, the women's team managed to keep that up. The men's team did not this week. So we will get to that in a little while. As always, we are brought to you by Pale Fire Brewing in Harrisonburg, Virginia. You can go by the tap room down there in Harrisonburg anytime. Mention the JMU Sports Blog Podcast, and you'll get a free pint glass. Going to use mine this evening. So one other cool note on the Pale Fire front. Rob, did you see that? Have you heard the new uh, Amanda Shire song, Pale Fire? No. It's really cool. So her new album, um, most of you probably know, Rob and I are huge Jason Isbell fans. And his wife, Amanda Shires, has a fairly new album out. And I've always been a little skeptical on her stuff. Uh, she's a fiddlist, and you know it's a little lighter than I would normally like. But the new album's really good, and the best one of the best songs on the album is called "Pale Fire." Oh, I need to check so, that out. I know, they, won, I thinking, they won a couple Grammys last night, didn't they? They did, and I was thinking our guys down there at Pale Fire, who are huge music fans, uh, where most of the the names of all their beers mm-hmm. come from old songs, uh, yeah. would like to check that out. So, anyways, go check out Pale Fire whenever you get a chance. Um, tonight we're going to do something a little different. We have a really fun guest uh, with us tonight. We're really excited to welcome a fellow JMU alum. Uh, he's going to help us hype some pre-Olympic stuff this week uh, and tell you kind of a cool story about a sports-related thing angle you probably haven't thought of as a JMU grad. And we're going to do that interview first, and then we're going to come back, and we are going to do – we're just going to do two halves tonight, not four quarters from hoops <clears> – <throat> Uh, and then we're going to do our off-topic segment, as always. we got a good one tonight, suggested by a friend on Twitter. So without further ado, we want to welcome, um, I guess we could say an old friend, um, somebody we went to, <laughs> guy we went to JMU with. Um, also that, that makes you old if you were there when we were there. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, sorry to betray that age. And then... Uh, but also someone I went to law school with. So I Damn right. Yeah, we're um sort of been alums together twice. And uh this is our friend Doug Eldridge. He's the managing partner of DLE Agency, which is a full service sports agency that Doug's gonna tell you a little more about in a second. They do all kinds of client representation, consultation, strategic advisement. Uh they're based out of DC. Doug has represented a number of athletes over the years, but and he's a guy that we thought of just in general, we thought we'd probably save him for the summer when we really had nothing to talk about. And then it kind of struck us that he, we know that Doug <laughs> represents some uh, – yeah, he's gotten into representing quite a few Olympic athletes over the years. And we thought it would be really cool to give us you – know, I, I don't know that there's any particular Dukes in the Winter Olympics this year, but it would be cool to give you some athletes to root for this year that maybe have a little bit of a connection to JMU that most of our listeners don't know about. So welcome, Doug. How you doing, man? What a awful introduction. <laughs> <laughs> That's, it, it, it's That's one of the polished ones. Yes. That, that, that is the most non-WWF, least hype, no smoke machine, jock jams, forget what the people's brow, can you smell what the rock is cooking, crappy intro I have ever, all caps, ever heard. Horrible. But let me let me itemize why it sucked. Number one, you didn't you didn't even mention Jason Isbell when during our pre call. Couple reasons. 
Jason Isbell has an amazing, amazing podcast with, of all people, Lance Armstrong a couple of weeks ago, talking about his separation from drive-by truckers and what it is they're doing. Oh. And, and in Tease's entire album, you talk about an honest, raw, just make you scratch your elbows because it's that uncomfortably honest interview. He didn't even tease that, TD. <laughs> Failure number one. Right. Failure number two. I hope you have a pencil at home because you might need an Excel spreadsheet for this. Number two, he goes, well, we thought we were going to save Doug for the summer when we really had nothing to talk about. Yeah. Thanks, oh, thanks Dick. You're welcome. Thanks, thanks Dick. Don't edit that out. You, no. just, you, you, just got explicit, you just got that explicit for a reason. That's right. Uh, but, but, you know, I'll, I'll j- jokes aside, and those weren't jokes, mm-hmm. I, I'll say this. You know, it's great to, to see two hardworking Dukes, and, and I don't mean you guys. I mean two other Dukes <laughs> that, that, are, that are still trying to, to, to throw shine and throw direction to, to everything that's going right with the university. You know, and, and, yeah. and I, I say this on a somber note, with, with everything that we're seeing from other large-scale, whether it's sporting programs <laughs> or, or broader academic institutions. Yeah. JMU's doing it right, you know, it, from, from academics to athletics to, to alumni. And, and you guys, or, or at least other people, if not you, are certainly a credit <laughs> to that. So I'm, I'm happy to be here with you tonight, brother. <laughs> this is exactly the kind of check that we needed right now. So <laughs> Yeah, know your role. That's know right. Know your yeah. role. Doug, so I want to take the first question and just say, um, tell us a little bit about your story and how the hell you ended up becoming an agent and running a company. Yeah, no, I mean, and look, man, if if we can't bust some balls tonight, then yeah. then your your then your listeners are in for a boring ride. So obviously, I wanted to keep it real right out of the gate. That's right. When it comes to representation, man, you know we. Here's the truth. You know, I, I was a great high school athlete. I, I lettered in four sports. I was an All-American in, in track and field. I got to JMU. I was running 400-meter hurdles. I, I just a stud athlete. You know, I, 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 did, I did everything the wrong way. So I took, I took 16 credit hours my, my first semester. I was a varsity athlete, and I pledged a, pledged a fraternity. And I had a girlfriend uh, eight time zones away. So if, if you could have mapped up a worse plan, I, I beat you to it. Uh, within all of that, I don't know. It, it, it's one of those scenarios where you, you have this vision of where you are and where you want to be. You know, mm-hmm. I, I had a, I had great ability, but, but more than anything, I, I think realistically, I probably had a higher pain tolerance than I did ability. <laughs> and, 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 and that's, that's the truth. You know, that's why I was great at everything that I did athletically, academically, I was just able to suffer longer than everybody else, you know? And, 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 and I think if we're being really honest, when you get to that D one level, that's where genetics really get borne out. You know, mm-hmm. you are either Olympic level or you're not. And, and, and I say all jokes aside, I clearly wasn't, you know, I was, <laughs> I, w- I was good enough to, I was good enough. And, and I'll say this, and this is no BS. I worked so hard at the high school level and, and threw up so much during practice that I was stripping veneer from my teeth, mm. right? To, to the point where my dentist was like, my dentist and my doctor were like, number one, this is bad for your throat. This is going to be ENT issues. Number two, this is great for me as a dentist because I'm going to give you a, a bunch of implants. <laughs> you, you, you big dummy, you're going to be a Simpsons character by the time you're 25. Because <laughs> I, was, I was throwing up so much. But by the time you get to college in a division one level, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's totally different. I say all that to say, you know, I, I got to a point where I wasn't enjoying it. 
number one. I, I certainly wasn't performing where I should have been. And, and for the first time in my whole life, my grades were sagging. And, and I, God bless him. My dad, um, my dad came from nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, my, 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 my dad's family, my dad, my, my dad's dad uh, worked on the GM assembly line. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my dad was drafted into the Vietnam War and, and, and went from a draftee to OCS, which is officer candidate mm-hmm. school. And from that to a, a Cobra pilot, which is a attack helicopter. And he was shot down a couple. I say all that to say my dad was a self-made man tested that my dad literally tested out of a couple of years of college because he had a photographic memory. So you have all of this came from nothing, you know, beaten, <laughs> you know, tested out of, at a, at a school shot down twice POW. And then I'm like, I don't know. Truck's getting kind of hard. It's like, <laughs> you know, it, it's like, what's your metric? What the, what am I going to possibly complain about? I don't know, dad. It's not fun anymore. Like, you know, it, it, it's, it's always that echo chamber that we have in, in our head. And, and I said this to somebody not long ago. I said, you know, it, it came to that unfortunate kind of, kind of that dichotomy where it was like, I had a choice. I could either hang up the spikes and get serious ab- about law school, or I could continue on this fool's errand of, of making what at that time, and obviously I'm dating myself or possibly <laughs> all of us by saying qualifying for the Sydney Olympics in 2000. And, <laughs> and the truth was, you know, for all of my hard work and for all of my pain tolerance and for all of my, you know, teeth that were, that were turning into mashed potatoes because I'd stripped <laughs> them with, with vomit, you know, it, 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 it the, the, the truth was self-evident. It was like, look, dummy, you've, you've, you've hit the end of the road. It's time to get serious about the books and, and figure out the next chapter of your life. And I say, a lot, I, I think I say a lot of that tongue in cheek to say, I worked very hard for everything that I got. Okay. You know, and I, I was never mm-hmm. the, the, the tall, I'm, I mean, I'm six to 180 pounds, but I was never the tallest guy, the biggest guy. And, and even in law school, never even the smartest guy, but whether it was, you know, vomiting on the track in high school or, 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 or working multiple back to back to back to back all nighters in law school, I was always willing to outwork everybody else. And, and I think in so many ways, and, and maybe this is hedging to your broader question about sports agency, that's the one commonality of every chapter in the broader book that is my life. And that is a, a vision, a plan, and more than anything else, the pain tolerance to see it through. So <laughs> I, I went from, from undergrad track, for an, so high school All-American, Division One scholarship athlete, uh, to hanging it up, to, to, to going from, you know, I graduated to high school with a three, seven, by the time I hung up the spikes, uh, at JMU at a two, four. Ah, I know about that. <laughs> I, I, I graduated with a, with a mid three, okay. uh, you know, crushed the, the LSATs did well in law school, went from law school to, to DOJ, DOJ. You know, it's like, um, double dutch for mm-hmm. those of you that remember double dutch oh, on yeah. the playground. It's all rhythm, right? You got to time it when you jump in. Mm-hmm. And you got to time it when you jump out or you're going to get a rope in the face. And, and I saw all these people that, that, that brought me in that were gradually getting out because it was that gold star, uh, you know, on your resume. And, and, and I was timing it and I knew what I wanted to do. And, and again, I, and I mentioned that earlier, kind of tongue in cheek about track and stuff, because I knew that I would never be good enough to compete at the, at the level that I envisioned. I've, right. <clears throat> I've always I never I was never afraid of losing. I was afraid of being mediocre, mm-hmm. you know, and, and uh, so many of the people that I saw that brought me in were leaving and, and I, I didn't want mediocrity and, and I knew what I wanted to do. I wanted to represent the athlete that I was never capable of being. Gotcha. And, and, you know, at that point to, to skip ahead a couple of chapters, you know, so we have, 
we have 9-11. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, we, we have, you know, 2001. So September 8th, my dad died. Uh, my dad died of a, of a brain tumor after a, my dad was a 30 year career army officer, brilliant service, the likes of which I, on my best day, I don't, I don't, I don't think I would be half of, of my dad on his worst. And, and on September 8th, my father died three days later was nine 11. Um, that was, that was the first year of law school. I was, I was a, a night student, um, it the the plane crashed at 1.3 miles from from me um it it was just this it was just this perfect storm of of i would say awful things but it it's things that you can't even you know you, you can't even qualify quantify or, or or put on a shelf you yeah. know and um uh, the the one thing that i knew was that i always had a pain tolerance so when mm-hmm. things get when things get hard, you double down and you work harder, mm-hmm. you know. And I was joking earlier about stripping the enamel on my teeth and stuff like that, but I think on so many levels, we always go to our comfort zone. And I don't mean comfort because it's comfortable, but comfort because it's familiar. Right. And and, and when things get hard, you, you go back to what you know. And for me, it was always hard work. And so, you know, our our country's being attacked from every angle. My I'm, I'm an only child. My dad's dead. My, my mom's reeling. Um, I don't have brothers and sisters. I, I, I had a single, you know, I had these, I actually coming out of undergrad, I had some amazing, uh, global PR offers. Cause I, you know, I had that as a second minor and, and I, mm-hmm. I did a variety of interviews. I did the, the, at the time, what was the Bush transition team and then was offered a position full time. And then, uh, had these, you know, these offers, one was out of New York, one was out of, one was out of Madrid on, on the global PR side. And it was really just a big pause. And, and I say all this because it's relevant to, to really set up what happened next. And that is, you know, I went to law school. I, I, I pushed through, it was that pain tolerance, that, that lane three throwing up, you know, on, on the track. I mean, Todd, you've been through it. Yeah. You this know, is the point when we, we really, I mean, we knew of each other at JMU, but really kind of met that, that year at, at George Mason law school. So look, bro- look, brother, yeah. the, the only people that say they love law school are the people that became law professors, right? That's right. Everybody else and, and, and fuck them, edit that out, yeah. but fuck them. Yeah. Um, everybody yeah. else realizes it's, 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 it's a means to an end. And, and, and I think one of the only things that I realized, well, one of the big things that rather that I realized after the fact was, you know, you go to, to, to business school, right? It's about group projects and, oh, we're going to work together on for the client to learn. Watch it here. Rob's an MBA. Yeah, man. <laughs> Easy. <laughs> well, Rob. We'll get the little rivalry going. No, I don't no. disagree with anything you're saying. Like, hang, on, hang on. Hang on, Rob. I'll, 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 I'll talk slow and use small words. Stay with me here. <laughs> So I, I, if, if we if we have time, I have a hilarious Lou Holtz vignette. Who told I, I, I ran into Lou Holtz uh, a couple of months ago, and he told me how dumb and slow I was. It, he's, it, he meant it so, so tongue in cheek, but it's one of the best stories I've ever had in my life. And I just turned forty. It was one of those moments where I'm like, "Holy shit, this is amazing!" Lou Holtz just told me I'm a dummy through his big speech impediment and slur, and he put his arm around me and gave me a kiss on the cheek. It was one of those moments where I'm like, "Holy shit!" Slurring Lou Holtz just kissed me on the cheek and told me I'm a dummy. At any rate, I. I say all that to say like you know you know in med school they work together to save the patient in b school they work together on the deliverable in law school from day one it's adversarial it's two gladiators in the arena there's no tie in the courtroom there's a winner and a loser you know you can you can have a mistrial but but that's really just that's really just combat 2.0 yeah so 
you know, and, and, and I think within all of that, and, and I'm, I love the adversarial element. I just think it, it was just a, I don't know, brother. Todd, this is a, another conversation for another time. Yeah, you got it. The, the whole point was, you know, when you set up, you know, how'd you get into sports? All of this is relevant because it's chapter one, two, three to set up four and five. And, and, and the takeaway is I knew what I wanted to be, you know, and, and I did my due diligence in mm-hmm. the absence of dad and everybody else. And I, and I came out and I went to justice and I, I had that gold star. And I, I interviewed with the, the two largest firms at the time, yeah. which domestically was CAA and globally was IMG. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the really, and I say this at the risk of sounding like a total nerd, the cool thing is I got an offer from both. Uh, you know, CAA, you know, had, 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 had Tom Cruise and David Beckham and IMG had, had, you name it, Peyton Manning and, and the spectrum. Yeah. Obviously that's changed a lot, but in my heart of hearts, I knew what I always wanted to do. I wanted to create something out of nothing. Mm-hmm. When I left DOJ, I was technically leaving the largest law firm in the world. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's it, true. Right. In terms of the, the, the sheer, you know, number of lawyers. That, At least for a few more hours. Doing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, God, by by the time I made it to the curb, but you know, my 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 pictures were off the wall in somebody else's plant, and and, and awkward Olin Mills photo was on was on the wall. That's right. Um, but uh, you know, it it was the idea, and I think so much of it probably emanated from from Pop dying at fifty four. It, it was mm-hmm. the desire to create something that would last long after I died. Mm-hmm. You know, it was it was the it was it was the the idea of a legacy. And if I'm being totally candid, you know, like. A decade later, yeah. if, if if I had the, the chance to revisit it, I'd say, "What are you doing? That's a fool's errand." Absolutely <laughs> not. But you know, it, it's you know, it, every opportunity I had to fail, I didn't, and yep. every opportunity I had to succeed, I didn't always. But but everything was a lesson, and it was building. And one client became two, and one dollar became four, and and four dollars became ten, and and I don't mean that as linear math. I mean that's just sometimes the way things multiply, and and. Everything, I would say everything happened for a reason, and I know that sounds so cliche, but when I look back on 10 years of my life, mm-hmm. especially in juxtaposition to, to eight months of my little boy, my, my son turned eight months today, as I mentioned to you guys a moment ago, yeah. I, I feel like I look at everything through a different lens. And, and I say all that to say, because I was working, mm-hmm. not just Monday through Friday, Saturday and Sunday. Yep. And if, even if I'm home on Sunday afternoon, mm-hmm. I've got my laptop. Because yeah. it's it's a difference when you're working for yourself and working for somebody else. When you're when when you're signing checks versus just receiving checks, you know. Right. And so it it really was a process. But at any rate, I think I probably gave you a, a really long answer to a short question. So, well, I'll let Rob ask you the the start. Yes. Yeah. Well, just like in terms of like I understand the evolution. I actually found that interesting. So I appreciate you kind of sharing that and, and how the vision became a reality. But who did you first sign up? Like, what was your niche when you first decided to pursue clients? Um, who were some of the first people you signed? Well, that's, that's a great question. And, and the, the great thing about that, Rob, uh, is, you know, there was a, I was here in Washington, D.C., and there was a, a cyclist who was the national champion of all places based out of Washington, D.C., hmm. Okay, gridlock. At that time, no bike lanes. Well, Haynes Point c- action. We're at sea level. Yeah, that, that, that's when the the awakening statue was still there, right? Yep, so there yep, was, yeah. I mean, but you you couldn't script a, a worse place for a pro cyclist, right? To to be based and trained. Yet, the U.S. pro national champion was based out of Washington D.C. and he was the most acerbic, dislikable. <laughs> I mean, he was. 
He was built like a Smurf. I mean, there was no short shortage of reasons to dislike this guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was awful, and I loved him to death. And he and he hated me for all the same reasons. And it, and it was funny because because he he knew kind of or at least had kind of a wind of what I envisioned. He's like, when I was used to bust his his, his balls or, or or his blueberries as they were back in the day. And I and I would say, look, man, if you ever actually get good. And I, and I mean, and I mean, ever, and it's probably not, you're going to need an agent. And he used to say, look, dude, if you actually ever walk out on that shaky branch and do what you're talking about, you're going to need your first client. So maybe I'm that guy. I'm like, you're not good enough. And he goes, I don't trust you enough. So it was this proverbial, like grumpy old men, you know, leaving the mackerel, uh, you know, on the engine block, like dance. And I'm like, what the hell are we doing? I'm 30. You're, you know, 20 or however old he was at the time. Long story short, I ended up signing him. He won two more championships. I did his, uh, his European contract and then another contract, which I negotiated in Spanish. And, and it was, it was this like confluence of, of all of these things. And, and, you know, one client became two and I started signing, you know, African marathoners and from, from marathoners to, to track and field athletes from track and field to NFL, from NFL to, to NBA. And all of a sudden it's like you step back and, and it's almost like, yeah. And this may say, this may seem so lame, but it's almost like when you're taking off, you know, and, and TD, you know this, when you're yeah. taking off from DCA, like yeah. from Reagan, and you're pulling up over the city, you know, we do that steep climb real quick because yeah. the runway is so damn short. And you're yeah. like, oh, my gosh, I see the mall and the Capitol and the, and, and the museums and the Smithsonian. And, and I see, oh, my gosh, that's the cathedral. And you you have this unique perspective mm-hmm. of, of, of the broader national landscape and, and with it a with it probably a unique appreciation for it, you know? So it was kind of like when I stepped back and realized one became two, became four, became eight. Mm-hmm. It, it was, it was by way of analogy. It was, a, it was a comparable sense of appreciation of, Oh my gosh, all of my hard work and my, and my, and my acumen and, and my nose, mm-hmm. if you will, uh, it's all paying off and I have a completely different view and with it an appreciation. That's really cool. So Doug, one thing we wanted to really ask you about is we know that you've gotten into I mean, you mentioned the marathoners and stuff, but you've gotten into repping Olympic athletes, yes. uh, both summer and winter. And I know that you have some athletes um, coming up here in Pyeongchang. Right? Yeah, absolutely. So um, we were just wondering if you could tell JMU folks, um, we don't think, you know, in the summer Olympics in the past, we've had some archers and some swimmers and some other folks from JMU uh, actually in the Olympics. But this year, I don't know that there are any Dukes actually competing, but we thought you might be able to give us some other stars and no, stripes. No downhill racers coming from Massanutten, TD? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Uh, no. Uh, uh, no. I, I hope Massanutten's a paying sponsor. If not, scrub this from the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> they should be. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. I got my gym moly. credit there. Yeah. You, you Monday should, night gym credit. You should literally do your live Winter Olympics <laughs> podcast from Massanutten. From Massanutten. As a from- paying sponsor with your beer sponsor <laughs> yeah. providing... Yes. Did I just hear a glass pour? Yeah. You may have. That was yes. a beer pouring in the pint glass. I don't know who's on your creative team, but I clearly need to be re-upped as part of the creative staff here. That's right. Um, yeah, no, I mean, to, you talk about the Alpha and Omega, right? Like my yeah. first NFL client, I signed a guy, uh, Rakid McCarter. Uh, he was a big body wide receiver out of JMU to bring this whole thing full circle, yes. bring it back to your Olympics. Uh, yeah. I signed, I signed Rock. We took him to a, a workout with the Eagles. From the Eagles, I sent him to, uh, to training camp with uh, the Broncos. 
uh, with uh, with uh, a, 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 an un what an unproven then quarterback <laughs> out of Florida named Tim Tebow. That's right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, who, who, who really had a lot of promise. Uh, and, uh, and another guy named Sam Daniels, who was an All-American that we sent to Canada. So those, oh, were, yeah. actually, those were actually my first NFL clients, or at least Rock was. Mm-hmm. And I sent him to, to, uh, to Denver. And, so cool. and, his, and, and his then coach mm-hmm. is now the offensive coordinator for the Patriots and about to be the head coach uh, of the Colts. The Colts, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And the, so, Eagles, uh, uh, the Eagles quarterbacks coach. Is a JMU grad, John D. Filippo uh, from our well, time. I, yeah. <laughs> I, well, I'll tell you that, that and, and I and I said this on on two interviews recently, um, on and off the record. They don't come any better than John, mm. in 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 terms of in terms of football acumen, in terms of uh, in terms of just general character. John's a John's a, uh, I'd say he's a good one, but the truth is he's a great one. And he's going to be a head coach here very very soon. So anyway, I'm privileged awesome. to rep across the spectrum from mm-hmm. NFL to. To, to NBA now to a lesser extent, but most assuredly NFL and Olympic. Now, as it relates to Olympic, to your to your yeah. question, um, this is going to be this this is just going to be Teddy Bonkers. Like we <laughs> we have we have North Korea, we have South Korea, right? We 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 we've got a, a proverbial standoff of of nuclear proportions. We've right. we've got the, we've got the president weighing in on the big button, little button. Yeah, right? there's no there's nothing proverbial about it this time. Yeah, no, <laughs> no and, it's very literal. And, and 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 all I have is medal-winning athletes. I'm sorry, that's all I have to contribute to the to, to the to, to the conversation. I like it. I ha- I have these athletes. Like you talk you talk about you talk about like head turning. You got to be shitting me type stories. Forget the mm-hmm. athleticism, just the stories behind, right? Because that's mm-hmm. that's the th- like that's the thing, right? That's the thing. We're we're all looking for that thing. Like, what is the thing? Right. Oh, great, you do this, you do that. But what's the thing? And and I was in on this on this hour long media conference with global uh, 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 outlets this afternoon with two of my athletes, and the the whole issue was, but what's the thing? <laughs> and their thing was, hey, we were told we were going to die, hmm. and we weren't going to die. We wouldn't live to the same quality that we were expected. And when we passed that. Well, we might have some sense of normalcy, but never elite status. And when we dipped our toe in elite, we would be good, but never great. Mm-hmm. And then when we got to great, it, it was great, but never Olympic. And now that we're Olympic, we're being told that we will never, ever be medalists. Mm. But we're stepping back, and over the last 14 days, we've been in Cosmopolitan, Us Weekly, ESPN, ABC, CBS, NBC, Fox, Self, Shape, Allure, Life and Style, and we have four more that haven't even hit yet. That's awesome. So, so who are we rooting for? And I say, I say all of that, brother. I say all yep. of that, right? Because at the end of the day, you can be like, oh, wow, that's badminton. That's awesome, right? It's when you when we get to the Olympic Games, it's less oh. about the it's less about the sport and more about the the person and the journey. Definitely. So, going into the Winter Olympics, uh, by way of uh, of introduction, mm-hmm. we have the the U from a I rep. Uh, and this, mm-hmm. this is one of the best things, right? I, I I run the gamut from football to figure skating. Right. We have the pairs national figure skating champs, right? Yes. The pairs national figure skating champs. He's six two. She's five two. 
He loves Metallica and working on cars. She loves sparkles, glitters, and kittens. <laughs> He's straight, she's straight, they're married. You could not script a more 21st century odd couple pairing set on the ice yet. Here they are. Mm-hmm. And you know what? America's eating them up. And we also represent Tucker West, who is the two-time Olympic luge athlete. He made his, his absolute debut, kicked the doors off the hinges, uh, awakening in Sochi when he was he blew up uh, on the Today Show, and now we have a variety of packaging with him across the media spectrum, and his sponsorship is is just exploded. Wasn't and, he uh, like the youngest guy to qualify? In, or in, in, in first of all, thank you. Second of all, <laughs> yes, I, I, yeah, I, mean, and, I, I like and, all these sports. I love luge and like even badminton. Yeah, total joke. Like I got no, really into that last Olympic. Yeah, and well, well, we, well, we we rep the number in in Rio. I rep the number one uh, American badminton athlete. So, oh, nice. d- bro, I, yeah. I I I have first round draft picks. I have <laughs> badminton athlete. You want, you want to talk about sports? I'm your guy. Okay, right. <laughs> <laughs> just 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 tell me how deep you want to go. That's right. I say I say all that jokingly to say. I mean it's about the story because not everybody can relate to luge or badminton or figure skating or even football. Right. But they understand it. Look, Todd and damn it, you know this. Yeah. People cheered for Rocky, not because he was a champion, but because he got knocked down and more importantly, but because he got back up and the best line from any movie ever, ever came from Rocky when he said every champion was once a challenger that refused to give up. And if there has never been there has never been a more honest line spoken because all of us identify with the notion of, hey, nothing's easy. Mm-hmm. Nobody ever fell to the top of the mountain. We all started at the bottom, fell, tumbled and fought our way back up. We don't identify with the victory. We identify with the struggle. And when I say, hey, man, it's about the story. No, you didn't identify with badminton or luge. Or Todd, you even with figure skating. Right. But if I, but if I told you that Alexa had a seven-inch scar and four surgeries and faced death three times, and in six months climbed back to be a top ten in the world athlete with eight sponsors, twenty-nine media appearances, mm-hmm. and a hell of a lot of money behind her, you'd say, "Well, wait a minute, Doug. Tell me that story." Right. Oh yeah. And my that's, mom, yeah. My mom's gonna stay up all night to watch this now. So yeah. Well, you know what? Yep. When we get off of this, yep. let's make sure we connect because I, I will I will t- send me your mom's email address. Yep. I'd be happy to send her clips and updates and I right. will send her a Skype video from Alexa. Right. You know what, brother? It's about the story. Yep. Well, that's interesting. Like you mentioned, like obviously every Olympic athlete wants to go for gold and everything, but it does seem to be more about the experience of getting your story told, particularly like NBC. It seems like being on the Today Show and kind of the, those vignettes, if you get one of those Bob Costas things. Um, I think you're absolutely right. Like the story is is the bigger deal. That's what draws us all in. Um, like I knew Taylor West. I, I know the luge every four years. I don't pay attention, but I totally get into it. Um, sometimes you can find yourself crossing kind of patriotic lines and getting into the, the foreigner stories. It really is about that personal kind of like getting caught up in the dream and kind of living vicariously through all these guys. You know, and to me, that's what makes it so much fun. Well, I, I can't identify with crossing lines and, and getting tied into foreigner stories, and, and I resent you saying that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, 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 say, I say that jokingly. I'm not joking. Um, <laughs> with, with Tucker, here's, here's a really cool – so we were in Hollywood in, in April, the, the three of us, me and, and Tucker and Chris Alexis. So we're in L.A. We're in the sound studio. We're shooting all these promos you know, with NBC and, and all these sponsors. And 
and, and this is this is absurd. And this goes to your point. So luge, right? The difference in luge and skeleton is what? Skeleton, one goes forward, one goes backwards. And, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Wow. Just degrees of crazy. <laughs> you, you, you guys are failing upward right now. So skeleton <laughs> is face or skull first, right? Okay. Right. Luge is 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 feet first, right? Yeah. So with luge, sticking with sticking with luge. So Tucker, he 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 was talking to to this this crew with BuzzFeed, and and they're trying to they're trying to extrapolate this this ideal soundbite, right? And they're like, oh yeah, I can't tell you. So so we 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 see your visor, and and are you looking through the visor or through your feet, or how do you see over over your tummy? And one of the girls goes, how do you see over your balls? And Tucker's <laughs> like, wait, what? And, <laughs> and and the whole question was the the whole question as poorly worded as it was was, how do you know where you are on the track, and and how do you know how to steer, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And thank God I was sitting in the corner of the room, you know, quiet <laughs> as a jaybird. And I said, Tucker, tell him about the wood. <laughs> I'm afraid. And, 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 and of course the girl was like, yes, tell us about the wood. I'm like, no, Gladys, not where we're going. <laughs> and, tu- and Tucker goes, oh, so every, every course, right? Because the bobsled and the luge use the mm-hmm. same track, has wood framing at the top. And he said, so as I go down, because I will hit between 80 and 90 miles an hour, I start to get dizzy. I lose vertical vision. I have to rely on peripheral vision. So I try to identify the grain of wood through my peripheral vision at 80 miles an hour. Remember the distinctions in the grains of wood in each curve Hope that I remember them chronologically appropriately, and with that, how I should lean my body weight through my pelvis, because that's how I steer my sled, and make sure I lean in appropriately. And by the way, I don't want inappropriate drag, because that creates time penalties, and it's all about time. So that's how I try and get to the bottom as quick as I can. (laughs) Everybody in the room was going, wait, what? And I was like jackpot now it's no longer about luge now it's about putting yourself as i said a moment ago it's about the story it's about putting yourself in that position going wait a minute you're going 80 miles an hour you lose linear vision you're getting dizzy and you're making turn decisions at 80 miles an hour through your peripheral vision based on grains of wood (laughs) to the best of your recollection (laughs) And you're top 10 in the world and you just want a silver medal at the world championships and you're favored to medal at the Olympic games. And you look like a Ken doll with <laughs> spotless complexion. You look like your face was photoshopped. You're built like an avatar and you're telling me that, that you're doing perimeter assessment, like the Terminator, like what? Like it, it was that perfect, perfect, point and i'm saying all this to bring our entire conversation full circle yeah. when i say guys it's not about the sport it's about the story it's about the fact that tucker was a six-year-old fat kid in zip-up footy pajamas sitting in his family room rocking back and forth right <laughs> like uh, yeah. they're here right and his dad kept walking back and through the room and every time during the winter olympics tucker was staring at luge Mm. no rhyme or reason luge luge most people call it loogie in the united states <laughs> luge right and his dad was like what what what's 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 the what's the fascination well th- so they built a little snow ramp and from a snow ramp to an ice ramp an ice ramp to little pieces of wood 
a piece of wood to a couple of pieces of wood, a couple of pieces of wood to a ramp. His dad went to credit. Now, and I say this on the record because it's <laughs> probably not the case now. His dad went to, into credit card debt with Home Depot into what ultimately turned into a 500-foot wooden luge ramp. That's the, I remember, that's the I story I saw. This. Yes. 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 Yeah. yes. Yeah. Yeah, dummies. You know I was giving you breadcrumbs taking you somewhere, yes. didn't you? Yes. Yes. So that same kid mm-hmm. that was rocking back and forth, back and forth, whopping at 4 p.m., whopping at 4 all of a sudden, all of a sudden, fast forward, 2014, he makes his Olympic debut. Mm-hmm. The youngest luge athlete in Olympic history. 2018, he's been the Team USA Athlete of the Month three times. He's up for it again this month. Post a link so your listeners can vote for him. Because <laughs> yes. that, that would break a record. He's grown, <laughs> he's grown into his man strength. He's won five World Cups, been top 10 eight times, and he's now poised. That same kid. Yep. That same kid that was sitting in his in his Transformers footy pajamas like you and I did, Todd. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, we did. Is now poised to be an Olympic medalist. Mm-hmm. When I say it's about the, and that, that was a, a father and a son, man. Mm-hmm. A father and a son. Now his, his his father ended up leveraging that and, and built a company and sold the company, and now he's doing unbelievably well. But that guy went into debt because all he saw was a little boy sitting Indian style in front of a Zenith. Snap it. Forget remote remote controls. You got to flip the thing on the front of the TV. He saw his little boy, and he went into debt on a, on a Home Depot credit card. And now he's a two-time Olympian and, and likely going to medal. And he's Tucker will be on three magazines, and we're announcing uh, two sponsorships this week and three by end of March. Oh, that's great. It's the story. I, I say all that not to brag because there's no brag. It's about, <laughs> holy shit, if you understood where they started – then you most assuredly appreciate where they are. And if you appreciate where they are, then I'm damn certain you're going to cheer for where they're going. Yep. Oh, that's great. So everybody's going to be rooting for the figure skating pairs national Chris, champions. Chris, Chris and Alexa. Chris and Alexa. Chris, Chris and Alexa Kinnearum. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, that's Kinnearum, not, not Knife or Knite. Okay. Kinnearum, K-N, right? Mm-hmm. Chris and Alexa Kinnearum and Tucker West. Got it. In the luge. So, Absolutely. Doug, I got to let Rob ask you a Giants question. Rob's a huge yes. Giants fan. So, bring yeah. it down. Now, now, you represent what? Um, one of the offensive linemen, right? Guy Absolutely. out of Florida? Yeah, John Jalapio. Yeah, okay. right guard. Yeah, now, what's, what's that look? That is a position where there's going to be a lot of turnover. You think he's going to get a shot next year? First of all, I don't like the phrasing of your question. I'm going to put that out there right now. <laughs> yes. No, I just was paranoid. You're going to say you represented Eric Flowers, and I was not, end, not. End <laughs> <laughs> No, I. I mean, um, I know that, that's You know, they're they're going to rebuild the line. So I just think you know, as a young guy who's kind of he's had some experience on other practice squads, and now didn't see games. Like it could be an opportunity, really, for him to to go out and take a job. Well, I mean, you know, I will say this, and again, you talk about continuity through our through our conversation tonight, right? It's about it's about the it's about the journey. I, I, I approached John coming out of Florida and I didn't sign him. And a year and a half later, you know, he, he was essentially uh, shown the back door of the league. And, and I'm not saying this to John's detriment. When you guys send me the link, I'll, I'll push it to John. This is something right. that, that, that he would talk over me and tell the story himself if he were sitting here. I signed John a year and a half later. He was working on a used car lot. 
Mm-hmm. And the guy that was that was a, a two-year captain at, at at Florida, a three-year starter, was working on a used car lot, and he said, "Doug, I don't know what to do anymore." Um, and we took him from a used car lot to training camp with the Patriots, from training camp with the Patriots to the Giants, from the Giants to starting the final six games of this season. Mm-hmm. And. Um, Sometimes, sometimes I have a, 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 a. Sometimes I make it look too easy as clients, and and God bless her, my wife says as well. Doug, sometimes you make it look too easy, and people assume that either a you don't do anything, or b it's just that easy. And and the truth is, it's not. And I give John all the credit. Number one, if, if John were here, he'd say no. I give the good Lord all the credit. But as it relates to the process and the program. John started the last six games. <clears throat> it was, uh, you know, it, it was a franchise that, that that many people had on a short list for uh, representing the NFC in the Super Bowl this year. But you know, there's a reason that we say any given Sunday. And it's not just because oh, any, any any team can win. It's that the fortunes and and the fortitude and the direction of any franchise can change on a single day. And and we've most assuredly seen that with that franchise. Now, back to your specific question. John's in a great position. You know, I, I think they brought in a, a great GM with Gettleman. I think they have a fantastic new uh, head coach. Uh, John's really excited about the, the, the coaches that they've retained, and he's excited about the guys they're bringing in. But as, as John or, or any other of our clients will tell you, the only thing you control, the only thing mm-hmm. is effort. The only thing in our life that we can control is effort, Right. And, and he's working hard and, and he's excited that, that, that Eli is probably going to be coming back. I know Eli loves John, John loves Eli. And, you know, when I'll tell you this, man, and, and, and I'll leave you with this. There are very few dudes that, that I would say, Hey man, we, we don't want to tussle with this guy in, in, <laughs> in, a, in a bar. <laughs> John Jalapio. Yeah. yeah. He looks like one of those guys. Google his story at Florida about getting his eye ripped out of the socket, pushed it back in on the sidelines. He fibbed the trainer, went back in, and played the rest of the game. He was all SEC with a partially protruding eyeball. John Halapia with 6'3", 310 pounds of tatin Tongan muscle <laughs> is 100% the last guy I'd want to F with. And you know what? Probably the first guy. Probably, again, I, guys, remember, I don't have brothers and sisters. Probably the first guy that I would leave my beautiful little boy with because he's that much of a teddy bear. He'll claw your face out like that grizzly bear in a cave, but he's 100% daddy bear in, in terms of his loving and his understanding of teamwork, and he's so family-oriented. So if, if there is, to your point, if there's one guy to cheer for coming into this season, mm-hmm. It's the fucking guy I signed off of a used car lot that has two kids, an unwavering work ethic, Tongan bloodline, poke his eye back into his socket like something out of the little rascals with a stick. Went from a practice squad to starting role and is now looking for brighter pastures. If there's anybody you want to cheer for, it's the guy that nobody knew his name, right? Yep. It's a great story. Um, Doug, we can't thank you enough for the time. 
Um, we're all excited to root for your clients coming up in the Olympics. Um, you know, thank you so much for taking the time for us. We hope you will uh, stay connected with the JMU Sports blog a little bit. And when we have our business questions, um, everybody can look for Doug. You've probably seen him all over not only national news, but local news there in D.C. and Baltimore quite a bit. Whenever there's a uh, sports business question that comes up, we see you on TV with the local anchors quite a bit. So this is the, uh, the new hipper version of Roger Cossack coming for you. Uh, new hipper? How, how, how about handsome? How about more handsome? Why'd you go well, to I mean, Doug hipper? has a face for TV. Rob and I have a face for, po- <laughs> we have a face for podcasting. So, yeah. So that's the way it goes. Yeah. Uh, just busting chops. No, yeah. guys, it, you know, it, it, I'll, I'll say this for your listeners because I assume most are alumni. Like, guys, I, I don't know when you graduated, and I, and I don't mean you two. I, I mean the broader listening audience. But we came from a great place. Mm-hmm. And everybody that is following us, is is coming to an even better place and and for all of us we can never pay it back but we can always pay it forward whether it's by by an open hand an open door an open palm uh, a warm meal or, or or 30 or an hour of of our time it's our obligation not our opportunity but our obligation to pay it forward and and i encourage all of us to do that and if there's anything that i can do from from an alumni base and most assuredly from an athlete base td like it's it's a small world, and it just finds a way to get smaller, <laughs> yes. doesn't it? Oh, it so sure does. Yeah. Let's 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 turn dots into constellations and constellations into pictures. Let's 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 map this, man. There you go. Thank you, Doug. Um, we will talk to you after you get back from a um, hopefully two medal winning Olympic trip. You're, you're damn right, buddy. And please take down those tasteful nudes, please. We will. <laughs> Thanks, Doug. All right, brother. Bye. Talk nice to you soon. Well, we hope that you guys all enjoyed our uh, <laughs> enlightening and passionate visit with Doug Eldridge from the DLE Agency. Uh, Doug is a extremely enthusiastic Duke who is doing some cool things that most of us don't don't uh, sort of get to see behind the curtain that often. Rob, I love. Uh, <laughs> I, I definitely enjoyed that. So, oh yeah, I yeah. Just, as long as it's not Eric Flowers, man. <laughs> giants, giants, giants offensive line is like a trigger word for me. But, yeah, uh, it's, it's funny because I, I actually feel like we just interviewed Spencer Strassmore from Ballers. So, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly. So, um, we are going to do two quick halves, and they will be very quick uh, on basketball this week. Rob, do you want to start us off with uh, sort of oh, a yeah. obituary I mean, for the winning streak? Yeah, winning streak's over. Um, two more close games. They kind of did the, the North Carolina, South Carolina swing. Had UNCW last Thursday. Uh, close but no cigar. Then went down the road to CFC and same sort of thing. Uh, I don't know. It's 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 a broken record. We're just going to continue to say, oh, there's a lot of talent. and but it absolutely is. But there's a lot of um, – Inexperience. I don't want to say immaturity, but just inexperience down mm-hmm. the stretch. And it, and it really was evident um, both Thursday and more so on Saturday. Right. Um, Thursday they were down and came back, right? Thursday they were down and came back. Um, Kakak is just too much. Or how, do you, how do you say his name? The, oh, wait. Say that again? How do you say that dude? Kukok, oh, the guy from – Kakak? Yeah, yeah. The guy from Wilmington. Whatever. Yeah. The guy was freaking – he was creaming Abdul-Jabbar on Thursday. <laughs> right. Um, I mean, it was just uh, – absolutely man amongst boys i think he had 26 points 24 rebounds yeah um there was nothing they could do to stop him you know phillips tried 
admirably, you know, they're Wilson. They were throwing everything they had out. Jacobs got some minutes when guys got in foul trouble. But when you got a guy that good who's on, there's really not much you can do. Yeah. Um, it was just – it was one of those things. Like, it, that was the difference. It also – there was – you know, the UNCW announcers were talking about, oh, what a great shot, you know, three-pointer down on the buzzer. It was a complete heave to put yeah. them up. Um, credit to the guy for making it. But it was not a jump shot as much as it was <laughs> a toss in the general direction of the basket that right. went in. Um, I don't know. They just – they got absolutely destroyed on the boards. And couldn't free throws. You know, you had 50% of your free throws for the game. I think they were like 9 for 18. Yeah, they had kind and, of picked that up in the couple games they won there. And I it mean, was they, really frustrating to see them fall back. Yeah, yeah they, they've been shooting, I think, near 70, 72% thereabouts, which is which is good. Mm-hmm. Um, they just couldn't get it done. It, I don't know if it's a positive or a negative, but I'm trying to take it as a positive. It was the most upset I've been about a JMU loss in basketball mm-hmm. in I don't know how long. Um uh-huh. I think I'd, I'd just kind of gone numb to the program and just been conditioned to be like, oh, you know, I'd tune in and watch, but I didn't really have any expectations. Um, and I didn't, I still don't have expectations or didn't have expectations coming out of that two game win streak that it meant anything more than a two game win streak. Mm-hmm. But I said, I don't know, man. I, I'm a sucker for this. I enjoy this team. I really want to see him win. And I was really frustrated yeah. Thursday night after watching that. Saturday, you know, whatever. It was, it was just one of those bad shooting nights. Um, Charleston's a really good team. They were the favorite going in, and they're starting to round into form. Mm-hmm. But Jamie just didn't shoot well. Um, Matt Lewis, who's been great, had had a pretty rough night from long range. And he hasn't been a particularly great three-point shooter mm-hmm. thus far in his career, but I think he was like one for six or one for seven. Um, overall, the team just didn't shoot that well. And it just kind of ran out of gas down the stretch the, the offensive execution was was somewhat lacking had, had struggled <laughs> yeah. to even get shots off had a five second call late um, <sighs> they just they just looked like they were playing in quicksand um i don't know it was a frustrating weekend but there were positives mosley really came alive second half against uncw um joey mcclain was back okay um it appears that he's going to have a little bit of a limited role as he works his way back into shape and so i was Slash, wondering yeah so so he was playing game. but yeah yeah, he's playing, maybe working his way back in, but I don't know. I mean, you shouldn't lose your job to injury, but Matt Lewis has been really good. He picked up Rookie of the Week again this week. Um, mm-hmm. I mentioned he had a rough day shooting the ball from long range, but he still takes care of the ball really well for a freshman. Um, yeah, he does. Li- Limits the turnovers. I think he had like three on Saturday, which is, by his standards, pretty bad, um, which shows how good the guy is as a freshman. Mm-hmm. freshman. Um, he really you know, distributes well. He's very aggressive, um, but for a point guard to only turn it over, you know, one or two times a game as a freshman, that's really encouraging. Yeah, definitely. Um, Same him, uh, Phillips, you know, guy, poor guy just can't shoot a free throw. Uh, <laughs> I know. And, and being the guy who bangs down low and gets a lot of boards, he often ends up on the line late. So that's something they need to address. But I don't know. It, it's a tough stretch coming up. I think of the next, like, seven games, they – might be favored to win one. I think they get UNCW at home, so maybe they can surprise some folks and pick off a, pick up a couple more wins heading into the tournament. Yeah, I mean they certainly have the talent to to spring a few. It feels like so, and and they're playing for the tournament at this point. I mean, there's nothing, you know, it's it's not worth gnashing our teeth over every individual loss here. No, but, but I mean that, that's yeah. a, that's probably a topic for another day. But yeah, would you even would you want them to win their way in? I mean, obviously you want them to win their way in, but there's something almost I don't want to say embarrassing, but 
I don't know if I'd really want to be that ECU type team from the nineties, you know, that yeah, that, we see, that makes the tournament is like seven and twenty one or something like that. Yeah, I, we've seen this a few times in the MIAC lately. Where yeah. a team has made it as like an eight seed or nine seed, you know, with a ten and twenty two record or something like that, um, before they win, you know, four games in their tournament. Now, yeah, if, if I they, don't know. I, it's I mean, hard. I mean, I, you want them, and you always want to root for it and fun, but like it, that would be tough. That's a tough way to to spin it. And... Well, I think, and I, I just I don't see it happening. I mean, I don't mean that no. about JMU in particular, but the way the CAA tournament is structured right now, and most of the conference tournaments are structured. If you don't have a bye, like Jamie it, would have to win four games in four days. It's a monumental task. And, and, and just, yeah. it hasn't happened for a couple of reasons. One, because the teams who have to win four games in four days aren't good. Yeah. <laughs> and two, because that's almost impossible. I mean, physically, that's just too taxing compared to the other teams. Uh, who Particularly have, when you only play seven, maybe eight deep on those Yeah, rates. I mean, I think I would have a great time rooting for a JMU team that made it to the semis or the finals of the CAA tournament. I, there would be no chance in the world that I would think they had enough left, you know, come Sunday or Monday to win those games against the top teams. Yeah, I mean, it, it, yeah. it's a poor, poorly phrased type of Yeah, no, I know what you mean. I mean yeah. Of, like, would you rather have them end up being like, which would be more successful? I guess maybe we should talk about this. Yeah, years, I mean, I'm just... Yeah, more I mean, successful, like, if, if you go 10-22 and 22 and make the tournament, or if you go 19-11 and lose in the semifinals, like, which is more satisfying? Are, I, well, that one's tough. I think if you go... 21 and 10 and lose in the finals, right? I mean, yeah. it gets pretty, the degrees get pretty small there. I, I, I mean, I think you want to see progress with the program. And it would be, yeah, I, I think you're, I think no matter what, it would be better to have a better year and lose in the tournament, you know, in a disappointing fashion because you'd look back and say, that one game killed us. You know, we that, didn't, that's we didn't play well, you know? I mean, if they got, let's say they win like four straight going in the tournament right all four okay then it becomes hey did this team just put it together but i think i'd be more satisfied with you know a top four finish yeah than a miracle run from from the nine or ten seed yeah i also think the way that transfers are going at the low major level which is let's be honest that's what the ca is oh yeah um you know you're much less i mean i think if you go if you have a good season and you fall short in one game that you don't play well in, I think you're much less likely to have disillusioned kids that are looking elsewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I think you have, just as kids, they're going to want to say, look, we come back, we're going to do this next year. Yeah. You know, and I don't know, I just saw that a little bit down here at UNCG this year, like coming from last year where they had a good season but didn't lost in the uh, conference tournament final. And they brought everybody back this year because I think the kids think they got a real shot. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the you know, that's my concern with this team is, as much as it doesn't, I, I say they're playing for the CAA tournament. It doesn't matter what their ultimate one win loss record is. It is concerning to think, you know, you don't want it to fall off the rails and have kids looking elsewhere. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not as concerned about that as I might have been in the past. I, I, yeah, I don't think. So. I think with Roe, they, they, they seem yeah. to be. They seem to enjoy playing with each other. Maybe mm-hmm. somebody at the end of the bench. Like, I mean, right. I, mean, if you're go, I think those guys have already left. Yeah, you're going to go to a lateral move or a downward move. That is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I don't know. It's also hard to get noticed when you're 10 and 20. Yeah. You know, so yeah, I think that's a good point. Well, the good news is the women's team got two more wins. They are now nine and zero in CAA play 13 and seven overall. They beat Hofstra on Friday, uh, 73 56 Hofstra is a, is a decent team. That was a good win for JMU, a very good win. I mean, they won 
going away in that game. And that was a very good win. They sort of just grinded it out over College of Charleston on Sunday. College of Charleston is terrible. So that wasn't, I mean, they did win by 14 points, but that wasn't, that was to be expected, I think. JMU has now beaten every team in the CAA with the exception of Delaware. It should be noted Delaware is one of the, they are in third place right now. So they are a good team that JMU has not faced. That's the only team they play twice the rest of the way. So that will, Delaware's always kind of, seems to be JMU's historic rival on the women's side. Drexel is 8-1. and one, The Dukes are 9-0. and oh. uh, So those are the, you know, the Drexel-JMU game and the Delaware, the two Delaware-JMU games will be the big games coming up the second half of the, the CAA schedule. One great thing over the weekend, we talked last week a little bit about how Kamaya Smalls had, you know, really had to take a lot of stuff on her shoulders the last few weeks. This, both of these games this week, the scoring was really well distributed. Um, Kamaya Smalls, Lexi Barrier, Kelly Kashuda, and Kayla Cooper-Williams all, you know, it was really balanced scoring in both games. I don't think anybody had more than 16. I think of those four, all of those four had more than eight or nine in each of both of those two games. So JMU and Coach O'Regan definitely starting to spread the ball around. They're getting some more players confident. Things are really looking good for the Dukes. They need to just kind of keep the pedal down right now and not lose. You know, I mean, uh, it's with Drexel at 8-1 and, and Delaware at 6-3, and three, they, they can't afford to slip up too much. No, not a lot of margin for error. No. You know, you have a bad weekend and you're – you could find yourself in the third seed. Yeah, that's right. And then Delaware has the same overall record as JMU, 13-7. and seven. Uh, Drexel does have a much better overall record. I have no idea what Drexel's out-of-conference schedule looked like. We know that JMU was, was very challenging. So it, it'll be exciting to see where the women go. They've got seven games, I think seven games left in conference play, uh, two of those against Delaware and one against Drexel. So nothing is decided yet, but they are in as good a position as they could possibly have hoped for. Uh, coming out of the outer conference schedule. So hopefully the women can keep it up. So, and with that, we're going to move to overtime tonight. We, Rob, you want to introduce this one? Yeah, the, how, how are we going to frame this? Uh, this was, um, this was a suggestion every week. We throw this out on Twitter because we never, never do our homework and get this ready to go. And, um, uh, at Dave Butts hit us up with a suggestion said favorite statue slash monument slash memorial. So yes. we're going to try to try to run with that. And I guess we can just open it up to statue, memorial, j- j- tourist attraction, whatever <clears throat> you want. Yeah. And I, I guess, what do we do? Two or three? Or? Yeah, we'll just do three and we'll go pretty quick. Cool. No. Um, you, you want to start off? Yeah, I'll start off. My first one is a local one for me. Well, not local down here in Greensboro, but local um, sort of lifetime-wise back in D.C. Um, the Roosevelt Memorial on Roosevelt Island. Oh, nice. One of my, that was my favorite in D.C. So when I was living in Arlington, going to law school. And then afterwards I had this kind of running route that managed to take me down there. And that was one of my favorite places to run. So I sort of ran down to Roosevelt Island and then did the loop around the Island. And th- I think that is one of those monuments that gets forgotten in DC. Cause it's well, you only- don't even realize that there's like, there's the Island itself is cool. That trail, but then yeah, there's the like whole thing the whole cool. pavilion monument thing inside right. is really, really neat. It's right. like and a it's little bit of a surprise. Really hard to access. Cause you have to drive on the GW parkway basically, or mm-hmm. walk or run there to get there. And then even when you park, you have to be willing to hike to go back and see the actual memorial that's back in the middle of the woods. Yeah. And it's, it's just kind of cool. Cause I mean, almost every other sort of think of all the other presidents that are represented around DC in various forms are 
pretty much overcrowded 24 seven. Yeah. And that's a fun one cause it's definitely on its own and it takes a little effort to go find it. So, oh yeah. No, yeah. that's cool. We, yeah. we do that a lot in yeah. spring and summer yeah. um, with, with the boys and the dog. So, mm-hmm. cool. You can kayak to it. <laughs> yeah. 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 My sister's kayak club is mm-hmm. just, just down there. Just a little bit further away. Yep. All right, I'm going to go. Uh, I'll, I'll stick in that neighborhood. I'm going pretty much right across the street on the yeah. other side of the parkway. Um, the Marine Corps War Memorial, the Iwo Jima. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. Tough to I mean, beat. But, yeah, it's just it's so cool. Like you go up there. Um, you've run the Marine Corps, but it's yeah. where they finish. It's a it's a, the perfect finishing spot. Um, you've got a great view of <laughs> that whole. Well, for, for me as somebody who's who's watching people, I'm like oh, this is cool. I was going to say it's actually like. A, it, it's, it's so cool, right? Because yeah. the—I mean, look—Iwo Jima is one of the most iconic memorials anywhere in the world. Yeah. Uh, certainly for Americans, it's incredible. Uh, the Marine Corps Marathon is one of the larger, just in terms of volume of runners, it's one of the largest ones in the country, and it ends in this place that is not designed for the end of a. So if you're, oh, a, it's, it's, it's right. like uphill, yeah, right. And if oh, you're like just tough. a regular, you know, t- you know, nine and nine minute mile guy, ten minute mile, you know, three and a half to four hour guy like me and you're in the crush of people all kind of finishing at the same time, it's so narrow and you just, it takes like, you cross the finish line and then it takes like 45 minutes to get where out of where you can actually sit down, which most, yeah, well, you know, big yeah. marathons, you like cross the line and that's kind of the end of your day. <laughs> you, yeah. You're ready to sit down right there and you can't do that at the Marine Corps, but that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I just, it's a cool one. It's good view and it's a nice view when you're up there looking back over, over the river into the city. Oh, it's really um, cool. Yeah, it's just cool. I mean, it, it's dedicated to all Marines who, who've given their lives, not just like World War II or, or those from Iwo Jima uh, battles. So, I don't know. I've always, it's always just been a favorite of mine. I think it's really cool looking, and it's a nice little piece of land and nice view of the city. Yeah, I think that's awesome. Um, one that I don't know if this is a monument, a statue, what you call it. I have not, obviously not been there. I hope someday in my life to get there. But the, um, the Easter Island statues Oh yeah, are just so cool and so i i don't know i'm kind of fascinated with places that are really really inaccessible <laughs> and that is obviously one of those so the the statues that were built by the i think it's the rapa nui people around 1300 if i'm not mistaken between 1300 and 1600 it's guessed and most people are still pretty confused about what they're all about yeah, but, like there's deeper meaning, or yeah, of, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I just somewhere like that to think that there's this, you know, sort of massive collection of these hand carved monuments somewhere from that old and somewhere that isolated is just really cool to think about. Oh no, it's awesome. Yeah, yeah, cool. Um, I don't know. I, I kind of I was when I was trying to think like oh a statue monument. I started thinking about Rome. It's one of my favorite <laughs> cities too. i mean you can kind of pick like the entire city city um, yeah there's so much like yep. the first time i was there i remember like so what did you pick? you know being on a bus and like you're driving over bridges that are older than our country and by, by hundreds and hundreds and hundreds in some cases thousands of years um i don't know so i love the trevi fountain i love the coliseum to me that's like one of those huge tourist attractions that mm-hmm. lives up to the hype you, you go there and i don't know if you're into like history at all <laughs> yes it's it's kind of breathtaking. It's one of those kind of moments where it's like, oh my gosh, you know, it's amazing. I can't believe I'm seeing this, and it looks every bit as cool as it is. Um, Chubby Fountain's really neat. That's mm-hmm. you know, a cool spot. But if we're just to kind of do something different, I'm going to go with statue. I love the Pieta by Michelangelo oh, yeah. in the Vatican. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's Mary and who is it? Is it Mary Magdalene? I probably yeah, should have done yeah. more. <laughs> it's all right. Yeah, <laughs> Mary, Mary and Jesus, the body. Yeah. 
Um, I don't know. It's just it's a great work. Um, I read The Agony and the Ecstasy sure. right before I went to Rome the last time, and that's Michelangelo. Um, it's kind of historical fiction, mm-hmm. um, or not? Not. Whatever. It's, what? it's, just, it's like his biography, but it's somewhat embellished because they don't really have. But there's a great deal of it talked about when he created that statue and, you know, the degrees that he'd go to choosing the right piece of marble. And um, I don't know. It's just it's one of those really fascinating things to get up and you can get up really close to it in the Vatican. And since I've been there multiple times and I still have not seen the Sistine Chapel, mm-hmm. that's my favorite part of, of the Vatican. So. That's really cool. Because I, I actually I, I was thinking of Rome for my first one, too. And it's one you haven't mentioned, but the Pantheon. Uh, yes, for me, it was one of the coolest things. And I guess that's not really that's a building, not really a statute or monument of any kind. But Dude, can I, tell you, I was yeah. there with, with Barney after college. Mm-hmm. And we were looking for it. This was like many, many years ago. So forget about Internet. We had like a hand, right. you know, a paper map. And we're going down. And we think we find it. And we turn around and I was like, all right, we're like around the corner from it. And there's just this random building. And it's just like a five story office building. And Barney thought that was it. And he's like, it's amazing. And he starts taking all these pictures. <laughs> and finally, I was like, dude, this ain't it, man. This ain't it. He's like, oh, this is so cool. And then we go down two blocks away <laughs> and see it. And I'm not kidding. This was like, it looked like HUD or, or, or like. The DH, Department of like, Education, or, yeah. Yeah, yeah, just like one of these generic you know cement office buildings and he's got his picture and this was pre-digital camera so like right. he's wasting film on this thing mm-hmm. it was just uh, i don't know it was, it was almost as good as when he he put the chastity belt on his head at a castle in Prague because <laughs> he thought it was a knight <laughs> i love it oh well i, I just I'll love I mean, that. that's so funny when you go in the pantheon though it's so funny because it's obviously like a million tourists are in there you know, but you look up at the any time of day, but you look up and it's cool in there. You know, it's that, I don't know what the, whether it's marble or whatever it's made mm-hmm. of, but the floor and everything, it's very cool. And it suddenly quiets down with that giant mm-hmm. ceiling in there. Yeah. And much like, I think, you know, like the Vietnam Memorial in DC yeah. where you, it, it's like this weird, you know, there's almost this, it's almost like solitude in the midst of the giant crowd. It is. You kind of get down there and you're like, you can feel this place. Uh, in a different way than you, you don't realize it as you're kind of walking in or looking for it when you think it's an office building. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you get in there and it's just awesome. So yeah. That's no, cool. that's a great one. That's really cool. That's one of those things. And it's got such a neat history, you know, it's been all sorts of different, you know, different religions have, sure. have used it for worship and everything. Um, cool. Yeah. That's great. I mean, you can do anything in Rome really. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have, you've traveled a lot more than I have. So Italy is my, the one place I've traveled a lot and, uh, Rome well, that, is my favorite, that, so yeah. Yeah, that, that's a good one. Yeah, it's hard to beat. Yeah, um, I don't know. I, I guess I kind of have a tie um, for my my top one. Um, La Sagrada Familia in Barcelona mm. is is just really cool. You know, it's this whole it's, massive cathedral. That's what I thought. Yeah, it, it's been under construction since the 1880s. Okay. Um, Anthony Gaudi took over for the design and construction like 1883, mm-hmm. and worked it until he died in the 1920s. I believe might not have the history, but and it's, you know, they're still working on it now. It's projected to be done, I think, late in the 2020s. And it's, so it's, it's And it's absolutely mind-boggling. You go in there, and I was there 20 years ago for the first time, and I know what I was going to see. It was me and Barney. We're like, oh, let's go see this church thing. And it was just fascinating. Because uh, in the whole cathedral, I mean, there's like, it's like going to like seven or eight different attractions in one. You know, there's like amazing stained glass, and then there was these like, 
there's this whole exterior that looks like a sand castle. It's like dripping. And then there's this ornate Gothic architecture. Um, and it's crazy. And then like, I went back this year uh, with my family and, and the kids and I'd been hyping it up and they were like, Oh, how good could be. And James really thought it lived up to the hype. He thought it was great. Oh, cool. Sam, I think got a little bit bored, but um, <laughs> it was crazy. It was not, I do not, it wasn't like this was some sort of indie rock thing. Like I was there before it was popular. Not the case. <laughs> the thing's been, you know, yeah, like yeah. it's been it, around it, a while. It, it'd been around for, you know, 140 years or, or 100, 110 years. The first time I was there, but I didn't know anything about it. Um, the crowds are kind of out of control. It's busy. You had to get tickets in advance when I was there this summer. But mm-hmm. it's just so cool. I mean, you, you could spend awesome. hours there yeah. exploring all these different little elements. Um, I'd, I'd love to go back when it's completed mm-hmm. and see the picture. Um, so that, that was kind of number one. The other one um, is the Great Wall. Uh, <sighs> I, I made it to the Great Wall, um, I don't know, 2002? Yeah, I remember when you guys went. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well this was – I went back. I, I, the first time I went to China with Gaster and, and Omar, um, we didn't make it there. You know, it's – it's a big country. Who would have thought? Like logistics wasn't as easy to get around once we got there. And not didn't know the language or anything. But then I went back like two years later and spent a month there uh, in business school. And we had an excursion to the Great Wall, and it's just neat. Like it was freezing cold. We went to a section, you know, a little bit out of Beijing, like an hour outside of Beijing, and it's just one of those things. Like there aren't too many times in my life when I've been completely like kind of in awe of the moment. Yeah. But walking on the Great Wall, it's just one of these like holy crap moments like it, it's just such a i don't know you just you, you feel like this is a really neat thing to get to do you, you kind of are in awe with just how cool life is and mm-hmm. getting to see one of these really like i feel the same way if i went to easter island you know there's just yeah. these big things that you never think you're going to get to see you might go oh, one day but then i was actually there with friends and you know spent hours hiking on it and um the whole great wall is a bit of a myth it's not like a continuous thing i was gonna say you, it's do not you think seen from space or any of that crap do you think walking on our wall will be the same way? Oh, yeah. Yeah, probably. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Count on that one. All right. Um, but I don't know. It's just, it's just, it's kind of an, awe, it's an awestruck experience. Um, That's really there. cool. It's amazing views. Um, China's a pretty fascinating place because it's so different. But mm-hmm. that was the one, there were a couple of moments in my life where, you know, other than yeah. big things, you know, right. kids being born and right. marriages. That's one of those things that I always remember that feeling of being like, wow, I'm really doing this. Um, that's really it, was cool. just, it was fun. Yeah, that's a place I'd love to love to see. So that's great. And with that, we are have come to the end of this week. We will be back next week. We um, are almost into spring sports. So as much as we are both looking forward to the stretch run for both hoops teams and the winding down of all the winter sports, there aren't that many. Uh, we have spring sports coming up soon. I think I saw softball and lacrosse take the field. In a couple of weeks now, Seven, ten, 10 days, days. Yeah. ten days or ten days or seventeen days. Yeah, it's not long now. Um, Although the softball had a little bit of air out of the balloon last week with Megan Good's injury. They did, they did. So that is certainly tough. But we'll be looking forward to the development of the other players this season. And Jamie, you should still be. They should still be at the top of the heap in the CAA at some point. Oh yeah, uh, and I think, I think lacrosse yeah. is preseason top twenty. Yeah, I think lacrosse was picked to win the CAA. They uh, have the CAA player of preseason player of the year, yeah, and are number six, ranked sixteenth in the country at preseason. Yeah. So, looking for a big season out of uh, Rob's most bittersweet team. I know he would love for Jamie to have men's lacrosse. Yeah, I just need. I'm I'm very pleased. I like I like the girls' team. They're good. <laughs> I went to the games and everything when I was at school, but 
I do, I, I do get a little bit upset that we still don't have a men's program after all these years. Well, it's kind of interesting too because the CAA is super competitive in men's lacrosse, right? I yeah. mean, they have some of the bigger programs. I mean, ha- oh, Towson, yeah. Hofstra, you know. Oh yeah, no, yeah. they're they're good, and um, our not so good friends from from over in uh, the West End, Richmond, they started a program a few years ago, and they're pretty good already. Yep. <laughs> all right. But we will be looking forward to talking with you guys next week. As always, we are brought to you by Pale Fire. Make sure you go pick up some Errant IPA. We uh, found some this week that we were enjoying. So go on down to Pale Fire. Uh, mention the Jamie Sports Blog Podcast. Just tell them you're listening and you're caring, and they will give you a free pint class. So with that, we will talk to you next week. Talk to you, Rob. Yeah, have a good one, everyone. Go Dukes.